The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. The moon, yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations. At ACE, we believe there's nothing better than helping kids. That's why we've been proud to support Children's Miracle Network Hospitals for over 25 years. This Friday through Sunday, get our five-gallon bucket and 20% off almost anything that fits inside when you donate $5 to support Children's Miracle Network Hospitals. And like ACE, CMN Hospitals are local, so the money you donate helps kids near you. ACE is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. Offer valid at participating stores on regular price merchandise only. Additional conditions and exclusions apply. See store for details. Welcome everyone to episode 138 of the NBA podcast. I'm Brian Toporek and we are now down to four teams in the 2017-18 season. So today we will be previewing both the Western Conference Finals between the Houston Rockets and Golden State Warriors and the Eastern Conference Finals between the Boston Celtics and the Cleveland Cavaliers. Before we get underway, wanted to remind you that you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. You can find our Twitter handles in our bio, so please give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. We'd love any feedback. And we're now being hosted on the Almighty Baller Podcast Network, so check them out on Twitter at AlmightyCasts. Joining me today, as always, is my very stable genius of a co-host, Morton Jensen. How's it going, Mort? Well, considering that I did not uh, cancel the Iran agreement, <laughs> I, I think I'm doing a lot better than you guys right now. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. When, when... Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. That's Slam. Like, that's how you start a podcast. But like when that's only the fifth dumbest thing that's happened in America this week, that's how you know your country <laughs> is really winning. Like when the big story is like, oh, your president's hushed man lawyer person got paid by this Russian oligarch tied to Putin. Oh, great. All right. It's a Tuesday then. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Let's, instead of focusing on what a shithole America is, let's focus on the good stuff, Mort. We got some great conference finals matchups. I mean, for the West, it's every it's what we expected from day one of this season. It's Houston Rockets, finals. Golden State Warriors. Yes, the de facto NBA Finals. I think, I mean, really, the Rockets have said all season, like, their entire season comes down to this. They They built their roster directly with Golden State in consideration. Like, they brought in P.J. Tucker, Luke Mabamute for that reason. They're going to measure themselves up to whatever happens over these next two weeks. So, more, let's start with that, because I think even with the starting lineups, there are going to be a lot of interesting questions on both sides. So, let's assume Houston sticks with the same starting five that's been rolling out with Chris Paul, James Harden, Trevor Ariza, P.J. Tucker, Clint Capella. Hmm. Who do you hide James Harden on? Yeah, I mean, you mentioned this in the email outline. You you actually suggested Iggy. Mm-hmm. I think that's a very fair assumption because you can really hide James there. Iggy's not going to do much offensively. Like, he's going to handle the ball. He's going to play sort of like Rashawn Rondo. Mm-hmm. Like, just pass it around and take open jump shots. Right. But I wouldn't be opposed to see James Harden actually guard Draymond a little bit. Oh, interesting. I mean, you know, James was pretty good at guarding, uh, you know, the players who were going back to the basket yeah. right, just near the rim. Mm-hmm. And Draymond is not the best of shooters is the kind way to say it. Right. I mean, if you're Houston, you're you're going to, like, live with Draymond Green taking three-point shots. Like, you're imploring him to take as many three-pointers. just take shots in general. <laughs> right. That's true. Yeah. So, I mean, if that would be a way to bait him into taking more shots near the rim, mm. that's fine. Mm-hmm. Because that means the ball is out of the hands of Clay, Steph, and KD. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I wouldn't mind seeing that. Just goat them in a little bit to Draymond taking 20 shots in a game. Yeah. Like, that's a win. Yeah. I mean, it, I, I completely agree with that. I wouldn't be surprised at all because, as you said, Harden's a relatively decent post defender. Like, he has the upper body strength. And it's not like Draymond is an overpowering, like, seven-footer. I mean, he's six seven, so he's got a couple inches on Harden, but not overwhelming advantage in that regard. Uh, right. I mean, I think it's going to be interesting because we haven't seen, you know, Steve Kerr has been very open about changing his lineups however he sees fit, so we don't know who's going to start in this series for the Warriors. Uh, I was looking back and, you know, the Hamptons five lineup of mm. Steph, Clay, Iggy, uh, Durant, and Draymond, they didn't play a single minute in the regular season matchups against Houston. They have played 54 minutes together in the playoffs, and they have a net rating of 40.9, which is, yeah. I mean, that that is just soul-shattering. So, you know, I, I part of me thinks maybe... Kerr just sticks with that lineup because it's been so damn good. But then that begs the question, like, do you have, I guess you have Draymond on Clint Capella. And then, like, who? how do they, would you see the matchups going if they do have the Hampton Five starting out? I would probably use KD on Capella. Oh, interesting. So just, he's long. Yeah. He's agile. And if you could take away that role, mm-hmm. a lot of Houston's offense will be negated. So I, I think that could be interesting. Yeah, and I guess that would probably save some energy from KD on the defensive end just because... Cap- he only guards the role. Right, yeah. Capella's, if he's drifting out to three-point range, which he's not going to be doing, like KD's not going to go out and guard him there. He can just play right. weak side help defense. Yeah, that's actually interesting. I mean... It's it, the whole thing is just going to be like a fascinating chess match between bo- all the you know all the players obviously, but between Steve Kerr and Mike D'Antoni because you've got what six future Hall of Famers on the court to start this series off, so mm-hmm. you know just as many problems matchup problems as the Warriors present with their big four, the Warriors. I mean, there isn't an easy answer as to how to guard. James Harden and Chris Paul. I would assume right. Iggy's going to get responsibility on Harden at first. Oh, for sure. And then I guess you're probably putting Clay yeah. on CP3. Initially, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Yeah, and then Curry, you can just hide on Trevor Ariza or PJ Tucker because you're really mostly concerned right. with them being above the break or corner three point shooters. They're not going to go into the post and punish him. No, right. You so yeah. so you could get away with that. I think Kerr has one chest uh, chest move that would be interesting. What's that? That's rolling out Jordan Bell. Yeah, some. yeah. And he's he said Jordan Bell is going to have a bigger role in this series than he did against the Pelicans. Oh, I, I'm not surprised. I hadn't seen that. Role, yeah, but I'm not surprised mm-hmm. at all because it just makes so much sense. Then you have, let's go with it. Like you have. Steph at the one, Clay at the two, KD at the three, Dre at the four, Bell at the five, mm-hmm. and theoretically Bell and Draymond can like, and even KD if you, if you think about it, those three can rotate, yeah, in a certain capacity. Like both KD and Dre can play the three, mm-hmm. Jordan Bell can play the four and the five. So there's a lot of inter- interchangeability right there. Yep. So I, I think that's that, that's an interesting piece to bring out, especially because if you have that big lineup. At some point, I wouldn't be surprised to see Kerr put KD on Harden. Yeah. No, I wouldn't either. I, I, I mean, we, I should preface this whole conversation by saying we're long past the point in the NBA where, like, one guy guards one guy the entire game. Like, Oh, yeah. There's going to be a primary cover, but, you know, all of these guys, whether it's CP3 and Harden on Houston or anyone on Golden State, or at least the big, you know, Steph, Clay, and KD. Like, all of those guys are going to see different defensive looks throughout the game. So when we have this discussion, it's who's going to, like, primarily or initially get that responsibility. But, like, you know, I I fully expect some combination of P.J. Tucker, Trevor Ariza, and Luke Mabamute at some point to guard Kevin Durant in this series. I don't know. Oh, yeah, like... Everybody's going to be on everybody. <laughs> right. Like, I don't know who's going to have most responsibility on KD. I would assume probably P.J. Tucker, at least at first. But 
I don't know. I don't know. Reese's length, I think, would probably be a better guess. Yeah. I guess. And then you put Tucker on Clay? I mean, I wouldn't hate that. Yeah. Necessarily. He's strong. Mm-hmm. Clay does not do incredibly well with size, like girth. Uh-huh. So I'm not sure. I mean, and Piche's kind of hard-nosed. Right. Oh, yeah. Like, the the thing the thing, that's going to be interesting part, but because if PJ matches up against Clay, like we know Clay's concentration level is out of this world. Like when he takes a three, even though he has like three defenders rushing out towards him, yep. Like his entire focus is on the shot, and even if that means he falls into the fifth row, like that's going to be it. Right. But PJ is different. Like he'll get into your head, he'll bump you, like he'll get away with everything he can possibly get away with. Mm-hmm. And I think that could be a lot of work to play to overcome mentally yeah yeah i'm not sure either way like here's the thing about where i'm or where i'm sitting right now in regards to the defensive matchups like i think at some point draymond green is gonna guard every player on the court like oh yeah at the end of this series he's gonna have processions on chris paul on eric gordon on <laughs> on harden on Ariza, on everybody mm-hmm. i mean and and that speaks to your point like there's no real primary coverage. It's about switches. It's about who picks up who after a screen. It's just, it's going to be really interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's it's going to be a lot of fun, or at least I think it's going to be. I mean, I've seen a lot of prognostications saying, like, Warriors and four, Warriors and five, and we'll get to our predictions in a little bit. But I'm expecting it to be more competitive than that. And even if it's not, I think it's going to be like what we just saw in Boston, Philly. You know, it was only a five-game series, but, like, with one exception of all of those games were like really hard fought, closely contested, right. entertaining games. So So I was right about that series being a gentleman's sweep, I should mention. I just got the winner wrong. Uh, the Boston Philly series? Yeah, right. Yeah. Close. Good try. Yeah. Uh we'll we'll talk about Philly this weekend. Um yeah, I mean so part of my thinking with this series too is, you know, Houston doesn't have as much top end talent as Golden State, obviously. You have Harden and Paul, and Capella is really good in his role, but he's not an all-star as of yet. Golden State, you've got the big four, but outside of those guys, I mean, throughout the playoffs, Iggy's been really good. He's looked like the old version of Iggy, like 25-year-old Iggy instead of 35-year-old Iggy, and he's you know hitting 38% from three almost, which is huge for them, but... You haven't gotten much out of Jordan Bell's played, what, I think 34 minutes the entire playoffs so far. Right. You haven't gotten. Oh, he's been bad. Yeah, you haven't gotten much out of Kevon Looney, Sean Livingston, Quinn Cook, who was huge for them down the stretch in the regular season when Steph was out with that knee injury. You know, very little out of JaVale McGee, David West, like, so on and so forth. The Rock. Even KD. Yeah. I mean, if you, even if you look at Kevin's numbers, they're, like, they're, they're amazing because right. it's Durant. But right. Like 28% from three. Yeah. So it's taking him almost 21 shots to score 28 points a game, which is not very KD-like. Right. So you've got that on the Golden State side, but then on the Rocket side, you know, Harden has been great with the exception of the last, I think, he had a couple clunkers in that Utah series. Game five, he apparently was under the weather, so we, you know, hope, hopefully... Yeah, we'll excuse that. Yeah, hopefully he'll be back to full strength by Monday. But, you know, Chris Paul was electric in that closeout game. And then otherwise, it's been a much more even distribution of contributions throughout the, the roster. I mean, you've got, you know, Clint Capella has been very good with in the role that he's been playing. You know, 14.5 points, 12 rebounds, almost three blocks a game. Eric Gordon will elaborate on in a bit has not been shooting all that well but he's still averaging 13 points you're getting stuff out of pj tucker trevor ariza gerald green and bob mute even a little bit out of ryan anderson do you think the rockets depth is going to be a problem for the warriors who you know this is like the most nitpicky question of all time when we're discussing a team <laughs> with four all-stars but like this is what we've been saying about the warriors if they do have an achilles heel and we're not Sure that they do, but if they do, it's that building around these four, they've had to hemorrhage off some depth in recent years. 
No, I, I would agree with that. I've been kind of surprised at the decline of Ryan Anderson. Mm-hmm. And I suspect that he could come in handy this series. Mm-hmm. Because they're going to need a lot of scoring, yeah. a lot of spacing. So I wouldn't be surprised at all to, to, to see Ryan Anderson get more minutes. I mean, Dan Tony, I feel, is, is much like Steve Kerr in the sense that he will tweak his lineups and, and play a guy who's not had a, lo- a whole lot of minutes experience over the past like few weeks mm-hmm. just because th- his skill set fits to a certain point. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, look, look we, know, we know about Rhino. He can come in and put up six threes in three minutes <laughs> right. just off pick and pops. And that, that's, a thing like that is just such a huge, huge boost. If he comes in for like a 12, 13-minute you know, segment, mm-hmm. and he hits like three or four threes, that can swing a game. So yeah. I, I definitely think that Houston have, you know, they have more weapons to rely on in the depth department, mm-hmm. whereas Golden State will have to really stagger their, their stars minutes mm-hmm. to make sure that you always have like a consistent star on the floor. Yeah, and it's more of a like a margin of error thing, right? So like if the Warriors, if Steph has a bad game, they don't have that many guys who you can expect to come off the bench and have 20 points. Like, if you're counting on Nick Young to do that, God bless you, but it's probably not going to happen. Whereas, <laughs> you know, the the Rockets, if James Harden has a bad game, all right, maybe this is a game where Eric Gordon gets going. Or as you said, Ryan Anderson, Gerald Green, Tucker, Ariza. Like, they have so many guys who you're not necessarily going in counting on you know, you're not penciling... Joe Johnson. Yeah, Joe Johnson. Team. I mean, yeah. You're not, like, penciling any of those guys in and saying, like, all right, Trevor Rees is going to hit three threes, he's going to contribute 15 points. Like, it's not like LeBron where you can just project out, like, he's getting 30 points, a triple-double, <laughs> right. done. Set it in stone. You don't know who's going to go off on any given night, but the fact they have so many guys does give them a little bit more margin of error. But, more, I mean, it's. I think you're right... Ultimately, it's going to come down to offense and if Houston can keep up with Golden State, which is, it's ironic to say because the Warriors right now lead all teams in terms of defensive rating in the playoffs. The Rockets are second. So, you know, in theory, you're going against the two best defensive teams in the playoffs. But Houston's first in offensive rating, Golden State's fourth as well. I mean, you know, Houston was going against, in the second round, they are going against a uh, Utah Jazz team that struggles to score at times, especially with whenever Donovan Mitchell is struggling. So I think that right. helped, you know, make their defensive rating look a little better than it actually is. The Warriors in the first round played the Spurs without Kawhi Leonard. Enough said. So, <laughs> you know, both of these teams are, you know, they are great defensive teams. They were throughout the regular season as well, but. It wouldn't surprise me if these, you know, at least a couple of these games turn into who hits 120 points first. Right. And I think having just played four, no, five games against Utah, mm-hmm. you know, Houston comes in with a slight disadvantage mm-hmm. because they had to key in on Donovan Mitchell and only Donovan Mitchell. Mm-hmm. Now they're going to come in and you're going to have KD, Clay, Steph, and Draymond with his passing ability. Like, that job description changes yeah. significantly for a lot of guys. So they all have to be ready. I think they are partly because you know Harden has pretty big knowledge about the way KD plays. Chris obviously knows how they play, mm-hmm. having met them several times in the playoffs as a clipper. So they should have this idea of what they're going up against. But I could still see them, at least in game one, be kind of surprised that oh we actually have to guard multiple players we can't zero in on one rookie shooting guard right yeah like oh they could actually score if one of their stars isn't going well that night right oh this is different yeah but conversely if you look at it the other way around like we mentioned Aaron Gordon coming off the bench or sorry Eric Gordon obviously mm-hmm. like that's that's his role him coming off the bench and if they do go bench deep both teams like I wouldn't I, I mean I could totally see a scenario where Gordon averages like 18 19 points for the whole series mm-hmm. so you'd have to use like a starting caliber defender to put on him at all times mm-hmm. like you need to you need to stretch your starters unless of course you're starting Jordan Bell instead of Iggy I don't know we, we'll see but 
like if you take away the Hampton for five and Jordan Bell to some extent, like who's there to really be a difference maker defensively for Eric Gordon? Uh, <laughs> Nick Young is not one. Right. Quinn Cook, no. Sean Livingston. Sean Livingston, I guess, but no. Yeah. Right. I mean, I. Right. Yeah. No. I think I Eric Gordon is going to have a field day. I mean, it would be much needed because he's been kind of low-key very bad in the playoffs. Like, it's gone unnoticed because mm-hmm. Harden and Paul have been so good. But, you know, Gordon's averaging almost 13 a game, but on 34.2% shooting, 31.4% from three-point range. That's that's not going to cut it against the Warriors, yeah, especially when you're taking seven threes a game. So I, I, right. I, I think you're right, Mort, that You know, they, they're going to need more from him. I think... My concern with both him and Ryan Anderson are, you know, are the Warriors when they see those guys come on the court, are they just gonna their eyes are gonna just light up and be like, all right, we're going at that guy every single time until we run him off the floor. Undoubtedly, yeah, undoubtedly. But I again, I mean, we've talked about this so many times before. A, a guy like James Harden, for example, benefits from outproducing his direct matchup to the extent that he does. Mm-hmm. Eric Gordon is very similar in that vein. If he is, if he's gonna average like eighteen efficient points a night, he's gonna have to give up an equal amount on even better efficiency for him to be a negative. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he necessarily will do that. He's a strong guy. I mean, look at his upper body strength. Look at his. He, I mean, he's not easy to move. Yeah, he's not a great defender when you can look at it from an IQ perspective. Right, and he's not long. Right, but. It, you know, on an island, he can bump you off your rhythm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's going to be really interesting to see whether he gets it going in this series. Because if not, mm. if he doesn't get it going offensively, he's going to get, he's going to be unplayable. I mean, it's harsh to say that about oh, yeah. a guy oh, who was, right. you know, six man of the year last year. But, like, you can't, you, yeah, if you're not hitting your shots, you're not a good enough defender to be on the right. floor when you've got guys like Tucker or Rizam Mute who are going to make a big difference. You know, they're not as reliable in theory uh, in terms of shooting. I mean, Tucker has been great in the playoffs. He's shooting almost 46% from three-point range. But, hmm. you know, Gordon is your big your big weapon off the bench, your big, like, microwave scorer off the bench. But he's similar to what the Sixers just went through with Marco Bellinelli. Like, if Marco Bellinelli... Is not hitting his shots. He's a minus on both ends of the court now because he's right. going to get destroyed defensively. And I, and I do think, and that's that same goes with Urson. Yeah, actually. you're right. Like that that bench duo. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, I think the much like when you know Brad Stevens and the Celtics when they saw Bellinelli come on the court, they went after him. I think Steve Kerr, you know, the the Warriors, they've been like kind of they dicked around in the entire first round, and they dicked around a little bit at the start of that Pelican series and the Pelicans won that one game and then the Warriors just went through for the throat and then yeah. you know and then they started dicking around again in game five and the Pelicans like almost came back at the end there and like Steve Kerr was just furious so that's my you know aside from the depth thing it's like this is the thing we've been saying about the Warriors since the start or like since they've really gotten this good a couple of years ago is they have a tendency to get complacent and make stupid plays like they they just they're so good and they're you know they can just go on these like 20 to 2 runs so easily that when they get up they get comfortable and they think it's like all right the opponent you know give up it's like like you lost this game it's time for you to go home and the opponent like comes back and you know goes on an equal run and like (laughs) comes and narrows the game and then Steve Kerr gets all like mad and red in the face cuz he's like guys the game's not over yet we can't we can't give up yet like that that's exactly what happened in game 5 of the Pelicans I mean turnovers just like lazy turnovers have been the bugaboo for this Warriors team for how long now like since the start of this Curry Clay super team era so yeah I I would say I think they've gotten better yeah They've gotten a little bit more disciplined with Kerr around. Mm-hmm. But you're right. I mean, they still have that tendency. Yeah. So it makes me wonder, like, I think going into this series, the you know, they know the Rockets 
are probably the best team they're going to face for the rest of the playoffs. Like, with all due respect to the Cavs and the Celtics, the Rockets are better than either of those teams. So I think the Rockets are going to have their respect, and I expect them to come come out in this matchup more locked in than they were in either of the first two rounds. I'm interested to see, though. I'm really... I mean, this is going to be a fascinating matchup either way. Like, I think if the Warriors are as locked in as they should be, they're going to win this series somewhat convincingly. If they don't, the Rocket like there there is a window of opportunity for the Rockets right now. I'm not saying they're going to win this series, but I'm saying no, there are no. certainly pathways for them to do so just because of like how reliant they are on the three-point ball that raises the variance. They can have a terrible shooting night when they go 10 of 37 and they lose, but if they get hot a couple games, you know, that starts to open right. this pathway to a, a seven-game victory. Oh, it's difficult because it, I think this series is probably the toughest to project mm-hmm. because it has so many layers and we have so many stars involved in it. Yeah, every star theoretically <laughs> right. could swing the whole series. Yeah, like just depending on what you do, James Harden could theoretically come out and average forty-five and ten. Mm-hmm. You just you have no idea. I mean, we can sit here and talk about matchups all day long. But you're right. At the end of the day, shot making is going to be the, the main difference. Yeah, right. And like we've talked about this before, I think with the addition of CP3 coming in and being this mid-range maestro, mm-hmm. I, I think Houston took some of the parts that Golden State realized that you can't turn down a free shot. Mm-hmm. So I think that mentality has been applied to Houston. But having said that, I still believe that they prefer like Mori ball tendencies. Yeah. Oh, totally. And that's just, yeah, no, obviously, but that's that that's just not always going to be available. Right. So they're going to have some games where the Mori Ball effect works, mm-hmm. and somewhere they don't, and we just have to see whether that number is three or four. <laughs> right. I mean, they. I think it was after game three of the Utah series where they were like, you know, they, it was Harden and Paul at the podium, and they were like, wait, wait, we took 28 mid-range shots tonight? And Paul was like, yeah, well, I probably took 20 of those. <laughs> so <laughs> so you're right. I mean, that adds a very different element, I mean, to the Warrior, or to the Rockets in general, but to the series, too. Like, the Warriors are going to theoretically scheme to take away the three-point shot, much like the Spurs did against the Rockets last year in the second round. Right. And the Rockets didn't have an answer last year. Now they have a Chris Paul who is ready and willing to pull. Like that that game five against Utah, I mean, that was just truly incredible. Like 20 points in the fourth quarter, 41 points overall, 10 assists, zero turnovers. Like Chris Paul is ready. Like this is what he's been waiting his whole career for. So, you know, like he's not not going out without a fight. So more – I think it's time. we got to give a prediction about how this series is going to go. Well, my prediction is sort of a cop-out. <laughs> okay. My prediction is just seven games. Okay. And two broken clipboards from Steve Kerr. <laughs> that part's not a cop-out. That was a veritable lock, but yeah. But yeah, I'm, because I think it, I want this to go seven. Yeah. Oh, me too. This series is, like I mentioned multiple times this is our nba finals yeah. in my opinion i yeah. think that's going to be the because the winner of this i think is just going to cruise all over lebron mm-hmm. and yes it's going to be lebron <laughs> spoiler uh <laughs> spoiler um but i have i mean i have no idea who that's going to be and i just want a game seven mm. and we as we know game sevens everything is up in the air right everything so i i'm just voting for a game seven and just imagine how much the salary cap is going to be oh, affected man. by yeah. seven games of this series? <laughs> I know. Well, they need to rebound because the conference finals were so short, or conference semifinals exactly. were so short. So yeah, they they need they they need uh if it if it gets too out of hand either way, they need to get brothers and Scott Foster <laughs> on this game, <laughs> extend that thing, get Tim Donahue back. Yeah, yep. yeah. Uh, I'm going Warriors in six here. I would love it to go seven as well. And this is not a shot at the Rockets at all. Like, 
Frankly, I thought Warriors in six was even somewhat disrespectful, but because I would also love it to go seven, and I think the Rockets really are that good that they could push it to seven. But now I've seen all these people saying like Warriors sweep, Warriors in five. So now I'm realizing like, oh no, I'm <laughs> I'm not being no, I'm, you're good. I'm being appropriately respectful of both how good the Rockets are, but then the ceiling of the Warriors as well. So right, I'll take Warriors in six. But if they if the Warriors fall into the same bugaboos they have in past years it would not surprise me if it goes to seven games or even if the rockets win this series either way it should be an absolute dynamite i'm so excited monday can't get here soon enough Mm. let's now turn more to the other side of the playoff bracket the eastern conference finals we have lebron james and the cleveland cavaliers and we have brad stevens and the boston celtics Brad Stevens has headline. <laughs> right, yeah. I, I, I'm i going to save my Brad Stevens rant. We're going to do a coaching pod over the weekend as well to update about all of the other coach fillings that have been happening around the league. So I'll save my long Brad Stevens diatribe until then. But in the meantime... Well, anti-spoiler here, or a little spoiler, you're not going to crap on Stevens. No, no, no. Yeah, you can right. just go... I wrote something... Uh, <laughs> For the step back today, so you can check that out. That's a preview of my take on Stevens. And actually click it, because you would not believe how many Boston fans are in my mentions right now. Just <laughs> so triggered. Because <laughs> you, you question the almighty Brad Stevens, the deity Brad Stevens, and my God. Ugh. Okay, but anyway. Well, you've been so kind to Boston fans <laughs> over the last few months. That's true. So. Yeah. Uh, so... More if you are Brad Stevens and you your pants are gold every time you put them on in the morning, what's your strategy in the series? Do you let Le- <laughs> you're such a <laughs> do you let LeBron do basically do what Indiana does and say, all right, LeBron, go put up forty. We're gonna really focus in on your supporting cast and we're gonna make sure they don't get going. Or do you go the opposite route? Like just the head of the snake is LeBron James. If you cut the head of the snake off, the rest of the snake is going to die. B. So B. You're, you're going right at LeBron. Oh, yeah. Look, I mentioned this as well. You know, Mark Deegs wrote a tweet that I was just so in agreement with where he said, look at what LeBron is doing. Your best bet is to close him off and let everyone else try to beat you. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> let Jeff Green try to beat you. Yeah. I, I agree with that men- mentality. I mean, look. The days of having, you know, th- that ideology that you let uh, the opposing star just run rampant, mm-hmm. I think that's dead. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're a one, you know, a one-star team. Mm-hmm. And I, I get it. Kevin Love is there. That's that's not meant as a slight, but he's not in that same caliber. Like you have James Harden and you have Chris Paul, who are at least within the same tier of one another. And then you look at the Golden State model of KD and Curry and Clay, also like and Draymond, all within like what twenty percent, you know, twenty positions ranking within another or something like that. They're they're pretty close, but LeBron and Kevin Love, like how many players are in between those? In if you look at player rankings, like how good a guy is? Yeah, <laughs> like twenty five, thirty. I mean, yeah, it, it, the talent disparity no i mean it's it's funny because you look at this series and on paper you say lebron james is obviously the best player but after that i mean boston probably has four at least three of the next best four right oh yeah like oh yeah i I think so yeah i mean al horford jalen uh jalen brown jason tatum Mm -hmm. kevin loves in there as well but I I don't think Cleveland I don't think Cleveland's third best player is as good as any of those three guys on Boston. Right. So again, when you're a one star team, mm-hmm. yeah, you cut the head off. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. I mean, yeah, you do. I mean, look, if if Kevin Love is asked to win a game, every you know. Every, if, yeah, or I should say, if Kevin Love is a difference maker for every second game that they play, I'll take those odds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely, I would. Or if J.R. Smith is being given, like, 16 threes a night, <laughs> go for it. Right. I don't care if he makes 10. Right. Yeah. No, I, I'm with you. I mean, 
you saw, I mean, the reason we were so shaken by that first round of the playoffs is because the supporting cast looked so damn bad for Cleveland. And now right. you turn around and you see, you know, the conference semifinals and the entire supported cast played out of its goddamn mind. Like, yeah. you know, Kevin Love just he just looked like himself again. I mean, he didn't mm-hmm. play like Minnesota Kevin Love, but he averaged twenty point five points, eleven point five rebounds, shot forty seven point five percent. Just that's just a market upgrade over where he was in the opening round. So that's like what you need from him, what you expect from him. It's right, the, but he, they played four on five basketball because for some reason nobody could find Serge Ibaka. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I, I was gonna say like the other guys are the ones who really like J.R. Smith shot seventy six point nine percent from three point range against the Raptors. Oh yeah, that's sustainable. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like Kyle Corver shot fifty six percent. I know Kyle Corver is a very, very elite three-point shooter, but 56 is even a little high for him. Like, Jeff Green shot almost 44% from three. And and now let's remember that these Cavs are going to meet a team that they do not own the soul of. Right, yeah, right, right, right. Like, they, <laughs> if they steal a game one that they shouldn't steal or that they have no business winning, the team is not going to mentally crumble like Toronto did. Exactly. I, I don't... Look, let's just put this in context. Mm-hmm. I I don't expect Boston to get through this series alive. Mm-hmm. But that's because of LeBron. Mm-hmm. Even if you look at it as, hey, let's cut the head off the snake to kill it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, killing that snake is impossible. <laughs> right. That specific snake, you're not going to kill it. Yeah. You're not going to cut his head off. Right. Because that snake is the second greatest player of all time so far, and his career's not even over yet. Yeah. What I am concerned about, legitimately, if I, if I'm Cleveland, is will LeBron's output be enough if my supporting cast do not show up, mm-hmm. and if Boston's defense is really as good as advertised? Yep, a hundred percent agree. Because not only does Boston have the bodies to throw at LeBron, you know you've got right. Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart, Marcus Morris, even Shemi Ojale. Yeah, like, yep. you have a lot of different guys you can throw at him, but then all of those guys are also going to, you know, you're not going to stick all five of those guys on LeBron James at one time. Like, mm-hmm. you're going to put one of them. It wouldn't surprise me at all to see Marcus Smart just glued to Kyle Korver throughout this series. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. He, he, that would be a necessity. Right. And I also have a feeling that Jason Tatum is going to see a lot of time on Kevin Love, mm-hmm. and I think that's going to mess Love up. Big time. Yeah. I, I mean, I could see that. I, it wouldn't shock me. I bet you he's going to see some time on J.R. Smith, too. And that's a very easy mismatch for him in terms of, mm-hmm. like, you know, I'll, I'll take Boston side of that equation every time if J.R. Smith is on offense and Jason Tatum's on defense. I, yeah. I, I think much like the Rockets-Warriors series, this one's going to have some weird mismatch, mismatch is, issues. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. In, against Philly, Boston started both Al Horford and Aaron Baines, in large part because Philly's such a big team. You needed Baines's size against um, Joel Embiid. I mean, I guess they didn't start Baines. Uh, did they start him every game? Most games. No, they started him every what? game. Yeah. Um, Aaron Baines? Yeah. Baines started nine of the 12 games in the playoffs so far. I believe he started all of... of uh... Of the last series. Yeah, I was trying to think if he started game five because I knew J- uh, Brown came in, but they moved Smart to the bench. So he started every game. Oh, okay. yeah. But um, against this Cleveland team, if you're starting Kevin Love at the five, which is what they did against Toronto, and you know Ty Lue came out afterward and said, like, you know, I Kevin, I know you don't like playing at the five. You don't like going up against Jonas Valanciunas. But what you provide spacing-wise offensively with you at the five – it's like too valuable for us to put Tristan Thompson there. So I'm expecting Cleveland to stick with its same five of George Hill, J.R. Smith, Kyle Korver, LeBron James, and Kevin Love. If you're Boston then, are you sticking with Baines or are you moving him to the bench and going with some combination? Clearly you're going to have Roger, Tatum, Horford, then maybe like Brown and Marcus Smart. Yeah, I was about to mention that lineup specifically. 
I mean, that would just be trying to cash all of your tip to chips at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like, what's left on the bench? Marcus Morris? Right. I mean, Semi Ojale is not an offensive-minded player mm-hmm. at all. Like, the closest you come as an offensive contributor is, like, Shane Larkin and Greg Monroe. Mm-hmm. Monroe is not going to play a lot of minutes because, you know, he can't move his feet in space. Right. That's going to be a problem. Yeah. I mean... This is where Boston falls short. This, this is where I think the series is lost. Mm. They don't have the bench. Yeah. And this just makes it so bad because next year, just by adding Kyrie mm-hmm. <laughs> and adding Gordon Hayward and getting a draft pick, like, damn. Yeah. Like, it's not even funny how far ahead I would have had Boston right now. Oh, yeah. If they had Kyrie and, and Gordon there right now. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, you know, I'll, I'll do credit to Boston because they whooped Philly's ass in last series. I think the best, the best possible recruiting pitch to LeBron James right now for if you're the Sixers fan, is you better damn well hope the Celtics don't get swept. You better hope they put up a good fight against Cleveland. So then LeBron, after he wins this series, you know, has to sit back and reflect and be like, damn, you know, my my squad was at full strength. Boston's about to add Kyrie and Gordon Hayward. I'm not gonna get past them next year with if I stay on Cleveland, if I go to the West. So I'm gonna sign with Houston, as Morton said. Yeah, then I gotta go through the Warriors before I even get to the finals. <laughs> so yeah, that's that. I think is gonna be an interesting dynamic to all of this as well. But I'm with you, right. Mort. I, I mean, if you added Kyrie and Hayward to this team, they'd be so far ahead of the rest of the East. It would, and it'd be scary. Exactly, and that's not crapping on Terry O'Shea, who's no. been fantastic. Yeah, like that's he's. I don't know what they end up doing with him over the next couple of years. Like, he's a starter in this league. Well, he's only got one more year on his contract. Yeah. That, I'm excited for the buy Felicia for Boston for many reasons, but... Uh, yeah, like, that's there's that's, that's so many questions right there. Yeah, between him and Marcus Smart, like, their outlook is undeniably incredible, but, like, they're going to have some very tough decisions to make in the next couple mm-hmm. of years, which, which we'll address... Most likely in uh, approximately two weeks' time. Approximately. <laughs> and let's now you mentioned Marcus Smart. Let's talk about Marcus for yeah. a Yeah. His offense is so ghastly. <laughs> except except when he's playing the Sixers. Well, I know, but apparently yeah. that's just the thing. Yeah. But you know, generally speaking, he's just he's not a shot maker mm-hmm. at any point. Mm-hmm. And Cleveland's defense, like they're this team, Cleveland's team, th- these are vets, they're skilled veterans, they're smart veterans. They know this. Mm-hmm. Coming into this series, they know that if Marcus Smart is open, you give him the jumper. <laughs> they don't care if it goes in. Like they'll yeah. bait him into it. And what I find worrisome is that Smart's shot volume is somewhat high. Mm-hmm. Like he's taking ten shots a game in the playoffs. Making thirty four percent, and that's he's taking almost he's taking over four and a half threes, <laughs> making it at twenty one point six percent. Like he should be a reluctant shooter at this point. Mm-hmm. He should be, but he isn't. Mm-hmm. And combine that with the fact that they don't have a bench, I'm just, I'm not feeling it. Yeah. I'm not really feeling Boston for this series because of that. Now I'm not saying that the impossible can't happen, mm-hmm. but Marcus Smart would have to defy logic. To become like a positive offensive-minded player for this one, <laughs> right? Which, I mean, he showed the ability to hit some pretty clutch shots against Philly, so it's not he did. It's not outside the realm of possibility. But you're right, more like there. It's not if, the norm, you know. Yeah, yeah. Like, and if you're Cleveland, it's much like with Houston and Draymond. Like if you're Cleveland, Marcus Smart shots are the ones. Not only can you live with them, but you are actively goading him into taking those shots. Oh, absolutely. Like, that's it. Absolutely. If, if a Boston possession ends with Marcus Smart shooting, regardless of how open he is, that is a win for you, Cleveland. Right. Whereas, if it's Al Horford, like, yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Right now, you, you should basically try to run the entire thing through Horford. Yeah. Like, he's... Right? I don't know what... Like, he's so good right now. Well, and that's my question for the series from Cleveland's perspective is... Who do they have to stop Al Horford? Like the old tried Tristan Thompson. Yeah, but that's not going to work. No, because if he got like you have to defend Al Horford out in space, 
And then, mm-hmm. I mean, Tristan is more fleet of foot than Joel Embiid, but I still don't know that he's going to be able to keep up with Horford. You know, like Horford's a smart player. When he sees Tristan Thompson or Kevin Love or whoever closing out on him, he immediately picks oh. up his dribble and goes right to the basket. Yep. And he's a, or, or makes like a wicked bounce pass right. to a cutting Tatum on the baseline. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like he's a good enough passer to take advantage of those. Like when a defense oh, yeah. breaks down like that, he's going to make the right play more often than not, whether it's his own shot or a good mm-hmm. pass to another open teammate. And defensively, he won't have the same problem as Jonas Valanciunas mm-hmm. in that he actually boxes out more efficiently. Mm-hmm. He won't miss, you know, 16 layups yeah you know tip-ins or whatever like he's very efficient around the rim yeah no i mean that was obviously very unfortunate right but right yeah i mean horford's intelligence level i think it has to be in the 99th percentile in the in the whole league it's i mean it's it's ridiculous yeah he's so smart yeah and he knows angles like we've been ripping on him not being a better raw rebounder mm-hmm. i still feel that's true mm-hmm. But he does have this acknowledgement of, okay, here's where the ball is going to land, so I'm going to box out this guy, mm-hmm. and then you have one of the wings coming in. Yeah. And as soon as that wing grabs the board, I'm actually at the at the, uh, you know, at at the midcourt line. Right. Yeah. Running down because he's active. He's like the anti Westbrook. Instead of he is. instead like, of stat padding, right. he he just knows like, all right, we we got the rebound. I don't care if I get it, my team will get if it. If you could put Al Horford's basketball IQ. Into Russell Westbrook. Oh, oh. By in, in two years' time, Westbrook would be the greatest player of all time. Yeah. Yeah, I don't disagree. It's not even funny how good he would be. Yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, I would just go everything through Horford. Mm-hmm. I would just let Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum go off script. It's, cor- it's kind of like Sean Marion back in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, whatever you pick up, you pick up. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great way for those guys, guys to thrive. Like, they're... You know, they read the offense, they cut baseline or, you know, use some back screens to get open from outside the arc. Like, I think that free, free-flowing free motion that Brad Stevens has inserted and him playing, like, a very non-traditional, uh, you know, system of not having position. Like, it's, it's a positionless basketball system that he's input. Mm-hmm. I, I think that could screw up Cleveland on occasion. Yeah. It's solely the bench and the debt where I feel like that's that's not going to live up to the to, to Cleveland standards, you know, they're just too good. LeBron is too good mm-hmm. to not being able to overcome that. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I, I think another thing from Cleveland's perspective is Terry Roger, and I think mm-hmm. you know he Terry Roger has been playing as well as any Boston fan could have reasonably hoped since Kyrie went down. Um, you know his efficiency waned toward the end of that Philly series when TJ McConnell was on him, but he absolutely lit it up the first three games. So I'm wondering. I mean, Cleveland has George Hill, but outside of that, like Jordan Clarkson, it would just be a goddamn layup line around him. So do you think oh, yeah. George Hill is going to be able to slow Rozier down? I, I think he'll have his moments. I also think he'll have his Eric Bledsoe moments where he's just completely <laughs> taking off. Like, what? How old is George Hill now? Thirty-two. He, let me double check. Thirty-one, maybe. Yeah, he's in his thirties for sure. Uh, he's he's oh he's actually he going to turn thirty. Oh, he just turned thirty-two. He just turned thirty-two. Yeah. I mean, he does appear a little bit slower than he used to. Mm-hmm. It's not as when he was in Indiana. <laughs> right. Right. Um, so I think Rochier has an advantage from a physical perspective, uh-huh. but Hill is a very smart defender. Like yeah. he's he's got a high defensive IQ. So it depends on how he'll use his wingspan, how he'll use his knowledge of positioning. So I, I think he will be able to, in some capacity, shave off a few points maybe on Rochier's average. Mm-hmm. But overall, he's not gonna minimize the overall effect. Of what Rochier will have. Yeah, I agree with that. And I, I just think part of the problem is they don't really have any better options outside of LeBron on Rochier, which I don't think you want because I, I just think you're, oh, no. you're either going to have LeBron on smart and do, you know, basically make him 
play free safety so he can help wherever. Or you're going to have LeBron on one of Tatum and Brown because he just yeah. has the size to guard those guys. I would put him on Horford. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I, LeBron would have a series. He would need a series, and I think he's going to have that series, where defensively he's locked in. Yeah. Like, he cannot afford to have a series where he's just coasting defensively. Oh, yeah, no. So Horford is the, is the key to shutting everything down. Mm-hmm. LeBron, at that size... And with his IQ, like, he can match Horford in IQ. He'll know it. Mm-hmm. Like, as soon as Horford does anything, LeBron will be like, oh, that's a pass. <laughs> oh, that's a shot. Right. Oh, I know what's going to happen. Yeah. Did you? Oh, did you I, see I, that I thing? Oh, sorry. But there was, a, no, no, no. there was an anecdote, I think, from David Griffin, where he was saying, I think he was on the Bill Simmons podcast, and he was talking about how uh, against the Raptors, he literally, like, called out their play last year, and then... Yeah. Like told he was like Patrick Patterson. No, you're supposed to go over there and you're supposed to set down a pin down screen for Demar Derozan. <laughs> so you're right. Like he's gonna know exactly what's coming at all times, just because that's like he. I mean, oh yeah. You know, talk about basketball IQ and Al Horford. LeBron James is on another level, even beyond that. Oh yeah, he he's the one hundred percent. Right, now. right. <laughs> yeah. No, but but I think it would be a disservice to Cleveland to put LeBron on Terry Rozier. Yeah. Rochier is extremely important, mm-hmm. but he's not the engine. Yeah. And I think you need to use LeBron in the engine, which is Al Horford. Yeah. By the way, now that we're on the subject of Al Horford, can we just can I want to address something here. I keep seeing fans to for you know, not just Boston fans, but like fans for every NBA team like comment on Al Horford and go Oh, I'm so tired of the media spin of how how clever he is. Like they're just trying to justify his contract. He's just an overpaid blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. Like if at this point you have not opened your eyes in regards to Horford to the point where you realize that he's an he's a superstar, he's an actual superstar. Mm-hmm. Just just stop watching basketball for a month. <laughs> Go in like the corner of your living room. And just shame yourself mm-hmm. for a month. Yeah. No, I agree. Can we agree? Like, he's a fully-fledged superstar. And that uh, that's what Brett Brown was saying. He's like, if you haven't known this about Al Horford, even before this series, like, mm. no, Al Horford doesn't put up 25 points and 15 rebounds, but he just does what you need him to do. Like, that's what makes right. him such a good fit on these teams and on these, like, winning teams. It's the same shit he did with the Hawks. You know, before he came to the Celtics, like he doesn't put up these huge numbers unless, you know, now he needs to just because they're depleted without Kyrie and Hayward. So his numbers have risen accordingly. But like that's, you know, this is just who he is. He's just going to contribute everywhere. He's going to have assists and steals and blocks. It's not just going to be raw points and rebounds. And like, so yeah, he's just a really smart cerebral player. And I think, you know, that's, that's really the difference in the, in the Boston Philly series. It all came down to just being smart, especially at the end of games. Like games two, three, and five, they were all all five or all three of those games featured crunch time. Nineteen minutes in total of crunch time throughout that Boston Philly series. Boston outscored Philly by twenty five point three points in crunch time per one hundred possessions. That's, that's insane. Yeah. Like that—that's the series right there. So I—I yeah, I think against Cleveland, you know, Philly is a young dumb team that had a penchant for making d- young oh, yeah. dumb mistakes that came back oh, to yeah. bite them in the ass at the worst possible time. Against LeBron James in Cleveland, like LeBron's not going to make the same mistakes that Philly did. So in that regard, oh, are you going to tell me he's not going to have as bad a shot selection as Joel Embiid? Oh my God. Or, I mean, pick, pick your sixer, any sixer. Yeah. But and he's also not going to turn the ball over when you're up two and inbounding the ball. Or, right. like, you know, there were just, I think Philly had seven turnovers in crunch time possessions alone, which LeBron would not have that if it went a seven-game series. Also, who's your closer in Boston, right? I mean, yeah, theoretically, Tatum, you, would, I guess. you would probably use Tatum or Terry O'Shear because they can create their all own offense to a certain extent mm-hmm. i feel rochier is probably more adept at creating his own offense than tatum is yeah i agree yeah but like let's say you need to create your own offense 
and then you need to go toe-to-toe with LeBron creating his own. Like, you're going to lose that. Yeah. Al Horford, as great as he is, is not a guy who's going to create something off the dribble. Mm-hmm. Like, he's, he's, like you said, he's going to pick up his dribble, he's going to make the right play, so you can use him as a, you know, a release valve, mm-hmm. but he's not going to be the guy who's, <laughs> you know, going to create separation with a, you know, 17-foot pull-up you know, pull fadeaway jumper. <laughs> right. That's right. not that's not him. Yeah. That's Rozier, that's Tatum, that's to some extent Jalen Brown. Yeah. But who's your closer? Like, who's the guy you can ride for the final three or four minutes if you need a guy to ride? I would definitely say it's Tatum, but at that point, LeBron's going to be guarding him because he knows it's that, Tatum as that's well. That's the thing. Yeah. J- Jason Tatum, he's fantastic, but he's a rookie. Right. He's, he's not going to be ready for that. Well, I mean, also, like, Philly just, I mean, he roasted Robert Covington and Ben Simmons in the last series. LeBron James, when locked in, is so far worlds beyond either of those guys. Like, right. you know, Jason Jason Tatum and the Celtics, like, they passed they passed their second test. Now they're graduating to the final exam. And I yeah. use final exam as much double entendre as you're reading into there because this <laughs> is indeed the final exam for them. Uh, right. You know, like, it's... Le- LeBron is just... He's going to know what's coming. So... If they're in a close game, Tatum is gonna have a six foot eight second best player of all time guarding him throughout that and you know throughout those waning minutes. And I think that's where Brad Stevens is gonna come in. And, you know, with, putting all Brad Stevens jokes aside, like he really did have some excellent play designs, especially at the end of Game Three against Philly to push the game into overtime and then win the game ultimately. So if they mm. if they find themselves in a one possession uh, game in the like last 30 seconds and they call a timeout like that's where he's gonna shine but you're right Mort like I I I worry on Boston's end about that about you know they do have a couple of go-to options but Cleveland has a LeBron to shut those guys down but on Cleveland's end I I mean I don't think this series I think I, I I'm pretty sure Cleveland is gonna win but I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I don't think it's going to be a sweep like it was last year. Like I think the Agreed. the personnel of Boston this year is going to make this a very difficult series for LeBron and the Cavs. How do you feel about Boston right now playing with house money? Oh, oh my God. It's not even house money at this point. They're literally like robbing other houses of money. <laughs> now they've graduated they're just Ocean their, Eleven, and, yeah, like yeah. it's not even their own casino they're robbing. Now it's just that everyone in the Vegas Strip. Like, I, I mean, at this point, what more could you have wanted from this team? Right, but my point is, like, mentally, oh yeah, there should be zero pressure on them oh, coming yeah. into this series. Yeah, unlike right, unlike the Raptors who were like, all right, we built up to beat LeBron, and then oh my god, yeah. we just blew another game one, and yeah, right, Boston. Well, like even going into the Philly series. Like, yeah. I had I had Philly in a sweep. I thought Boston's days were numbered, especially like they had to go seven with Milwaukee. Well, so did Vegas. I mean, Vegas had Philly favored in each of the four games of that for each of the first four games of that series. Yeah, and like I mean, damn. And Vegas, I think I I've seen varying lines for Game One of this Celtics Cavs game, but I think it started to pick them. Moved to Cavs minus one. Now I think it's Celtics minus one. So it seems like Vegas is starting to give the Celtics the respect they deserve. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, this is the thing about the playoffs. It's all about matchups. Like I think Boston matched up better against Philly than it did against Milwaukee because Philly just doesn't have. They don't have the type of two way wings that they need to go against a Boston team with a bunch of two way wings. The Raptors right. didn't match up as well against the Cavs, as Indiana did. I think Boston is built more roster composition-wise like Indiana. So I I expect this series to be more like the Indiana series for Cleveland than I do the Toronto series where they're in, you know LeBron goes off and then their entire supporting cast goes off too. I think it's going to be much more of a mud fight the entire way. The key matchup for me is LeBron versus Brad Stevens. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. That's that's what I, I mean, said at the intro of this segment. You laughed at me. Yeah, yeah, no, but you're right. Yeah, 
I mean, look, it's it's a fair point, but it, I I have this feeling that Stevens is gonna lose that battle. Mm-hmm. Like he can draw up whatever play he will. The probably will just be like, oh oh oh, the, <laughs> the pitch down is over there. Right, <laughs> right, yeah, draw it up. But I'm LeBron James, and yeah. you don't have two of your three best players. Like right, exactly. So. Yeah. I, I, I do agree with you. I don't think this is going to be a sweep. Yeah. I think it's going to be a hard-fought series, but at the end, I just... It, it would Something would have to go wrong in Cleveland. Yeah. And I'm not I'm not saying that it wouldn't mm-hmm. or it couldn't. It can't. Absolutely it can't. Right. I mean, we, hell, we saw if it. LeBron... We saw, it huh? two, we saw it two weeks ago. Like, it's very easy to envision a scenario in which the Cavs are on the ropes. I mean, hell, it is. Like... Obviously, you don't want Cavs in a game seven, where with you know Indiana found them, mm-hmm. but they were right there. And the, this time, the Cavs would be on the road in the game seven. Yeah, that doesn't matter. They have LeBron. Yeah, I know, but like that Boston crowd, LeBron at game seven in Boston. Oh, he's used to that Boston crowd. He's, he's, <laughs> That's true. He's done very naughty things to that Boston crowd before. Yeah. That's... So I'm I'm not really nervous about that one. What I am nervous about really is. LeBron maybe being fatigued and not being able to play as much defense as he wants to. Mm-hmm. Or I'm concerned about the role players not stepping up. Because, again, my idea is you do whatever you can to keep LeBron under 30. Mm-hmm. Like, that's your goal. That's your mission. Yeah. If you're Brad Stevens, you just write one number on the on the blackboard. You just... They probably have a whiteboard. But <laughs> right. Yeah. Who has a blackboard? <laughs> but, like... He just writes a number, and mm-hmm. that's 30. Yeah. Like, don't let Bro- LeBron cross the 30-point threshold. Yep. That's it. Yep. Like, that's the target. Yep. Totally agree. So, Mort, you've, you've already revealed that you are picking the Cavs in this series. How many games are you going? I am. Uh, like you, six. Yeah. Yeah, I think. Uh, that's a fair number. I think so, because Cleveland then would close out at home in six. I think it'll be Cleveland wins one of these first two I mean, I could either I could see it going either way. I think they're going to win one of these first two. I don't know which one. Probably game two, Eileen. Uh, then I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be Cleveland goes up 3-1 and then Boston wins game five at home, or if they split again in Cleveland. You know, game five, LeBron is going to be... Either way, game five, LeBron is going to be ridiculous. But game five, LeBron in a 2-2 series would be preposterous. So I think either way... I mean, you know, obviously I would have loved to see Philly in there instead of Boston, but I think this is probably going to be the better of the two matchups. I I don't think Philly would have put up as much of a fight as I expect Boston to, and it's only fair that Boston scares LeBron into joining Philly next year, so I I appreciate the assist (laughs) in advance, Celtics fans. Good work. Uh, Paul George, man, learn it. I know, but either way, I think... The next two weeks of basketball are going to be some of the best we've seen all season. So get excited, everyone. In the meantime, we're going to be putting out more podcasts over the weekend and through next week. We're going to have our typical Bye Felicia for the four teams that got knocked out in the conference semifinals. And we're also going to start recapping some of the big coaching hires and fires. Got to shout out my boy Stan Van Gundy for being dismissed from the Pistons. We will talk about all of that and more in the coming days so be sure to follow us on twitter at the end pod oh yeah and and we will do a live draft lottery podcast with myself and jason pat oh yeah there we go yeah unfortunately i'm working the night of the lottery so i will not be able to join but we'll have some lottery live coverage on tuesday and then some post coverage uh afterward wednesday thursday somewhere around there where we'll discuss winners losers we might even do a lottery mock draft so lots to look forward to in the weeks ahead check us out on twitter at the nba pod you can get all the links to all our latest episodes there you can also stream all our episodes through the megaphone player in our twitter every time we uh, tweet out a link you can also find us on itunes so please subscribe download leave some five-star reviews we'd love any feedback we're now being hosted on the Almighty Baller Podcast Network, so check them out on Twitter at Almighty Casts. Until next time, I'm Brian Tapork, and I was joined by Morton Jensen. Have a good one, Mort. Oh, I live in Denmark, Brian. I'll always have a good one. <laughs> well said.
Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's... A burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations.